611, let's stand. 611, take my life and let it be. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them All right, take your Bibles. John chapter 14 is where we're going to start tonight. John chapter 16, I'm sorry. And uh, as I tried to promise last week, uh, we're going to uh, uh, try to get part two. And uh, hopefully it won't end up turning into part three and four and others. But uh, we're just doing a, a mini-series here on the difference between what is spiritual and what is scriptural. Now, I just want to review the contrast because this week we're going to talk about those things that uh, are the same. Number one, when it comes to scripture, you can trust every word. You're never told in the Bible to test the words of scripture. But when spirits come, you're told to try the spirits to see whether they truly be of God because not every spirit that is out there is of God. And... uh, Then we talked about signs and wonders. 
you know, when something is uh, spiritual, uh, the one place that everybody wants to go to is they want to go to proving that thing spiritual through signs and wonders. God's Word needs no proof. God's Word generates nothing that draws attention away from the Word of God and what we ought to be doing. God's Word generates obedience. Spirituality generates feelings. Now, feelings in and of themselves aren't bad. But if that's all you're going on, you're in big trouble. Uh, the way I like to put it, emotions. We have a lot of people in our day and time that uh, I guess would be classified as emotionally disturbed and are having problems with emotions. And uh, emotions is really the spice of life. I mean, if you have life without emotions, uh, you're just like a robot. It's dull, it's dead, but uh, you need a little spice. Have you ever tried to eat food without any spice at all? Sometime go home and just cook uh, uh, a nice piece of beef roast, a little steak or something. Just cook it and don't put anything in it. No salt, no pepper, no Worcestershire sauce. You know what makes Worcestershire sauce so good? It's the anchovies in it. And all you that don't like anchovies. And uh, all that other stuff there. And don't put anything on it. In fact, just get a pot of water and boil it. Some of you that are on low cholesterol diets, that's what you're supposed to do with chicken. And then you pour off the water. You're not even allowed to drink the water, and you just got to eat that piece of, uh, well, whatever. It used to be chicken, right? But have you ever made the accident of uh, putting too much spice in the food? Anybody ever done that? And, and uh, usually you end up, uh, let's just put it mildly, locked in the bathroom for two or three days until this thing passes and you're all back to normal again. You can get yourself in a lot of trouble. That's what emotions are like. You get, you get too much of them and life is unlivable. You, get it, you don't get enough and it's just bland and dead. You need a little bit of feelings, a little bit of emotion there. But emotion without obedience is an exercise in worthless behavior. Amen? That's the difference between totally spiritual versus scriptural. And the idea of, maybe just use these two words, you find somebody that is really into the spiritual you're going to find someone groping through life, trying the new thing, trying to find that excitement, trying to find what is there. You find somebody that is stayed on Scripture, they're doing things. Amen? Now, that's a review of last week's message. Now, we're going to talk about how the spiritual and the Scripture work together. Because you have to have the spiritual you know, sometimes we, we, we get uh, down on, our, uh, on the uh, charismatic movement, the signs and wonders people and all this. And last week we spent some time 
in, in fact, uh, I didn't plan that in the service, but that was really good as different people began to name some of these speakers. And, and we found out that some of them that, that we thought was, I mean, different people said, uh, I think somebody said Charles Stanley. He's, he's no friend of the King James Bible. Uh, uh, Creflo Dollar and, and uh, oh, by the way, if you into the, what is it, Jim Symbola? Uh, does anybody know who he is? He's Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, that was the church that that man attended uh, that I met yesterday on the street. He, he was all excited about church, but when I tried to speak to him about salvation, he had no idea what he was talking about, what I was talking about. That's scary. And uh, because we have to have Scripture. Without it, all we're doing is generating excitement. Excitement's a good thing, but, you know, you can get excited about a lot of dumb stuff, amen? How many people got excited when the stock market started going up a couple of years ago and they were investing in, in all of those uh, dot-coms? And uh, I'll tell you, uh, your taxes are due tomorrow. I uh, hope you've paid your taxes. Uh, I, when it comes to taxes, I am a faithful procrastinator. Uh, mine never go out until the day that they're due. And so mine are going to go in the mail tomorrow. Uh, and uh, I just, uh, I don't like giving the government anything that we do. But when those dot-com guys, most of them had gained fortunes. Some of them in the tens and even hundreds of millions of dollars and lost it all when the stock market crashed. But when they got their W-2s, guess what happened? They had to report the value of all that stock and pay taxes on worthless stock. I'm glad I didn't get excited about the dot-com. How about you? I didn't owe any taxes on worthless stock. And uh, people get excited about all of these things. You have to have the Scripture. But without the Spirit, we're going to get to that verse toward the end of our message tonight if we have time to get there. But let's get to John chapter 16. Uh, both of these things actually should be working together. You, you'll find that you cannot truly have one without truly having the other. But be careful because when the Spirit is working truly, He will be giving you Scripture. Don't watch Joel Olstein on the television, please. Uh, there's only one phrase that describes Joel Olstein. It's called garbage head. Uh, because what he teaches and what he, what he preaches is not from the Word of God. It's a whole lot closer akin to the Eastern Indian religions. It's just couched in Bible words. You, you just have to watch these people. Now, Jesus says in verse 7 of chapter 16 of the book of John, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. 
I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Here's the key. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, here we have Jesus saying, I have to go away. This is John 16. This, this chapter happened just before Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, which was just before the Garden of Gethsemane. And so these were the, the last hours Jesus spent with his disciples before the cross, the last moments, and, and he is telling them and explaining to them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he says, when the Holy Spirit's come, he's going to reprove the world of sin. And then he explains what sin he's going to reprove the world because they believe not on me, the sin of unbelief. I mean, how many times? Think about it, before you were saved, did you have that empty feeling inside saying, there's got to be more to life than this? How many times? Did you look in the mirror and say, this wicked life I am living is going to kill me? You know what? That was the Holy Spirit of God reproving you of your sin. The cure, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Of righteousness. Look what it says about righteousness. Because I go to the Father and ye see me no more. We do not have Jesus living here on earth that we can see and touch as the disciples did. The Holy Spirit is here to remind us and to convict us. Uh, You that have been saved a little while, as you've been walking along with the Lord, uh, if you still have one of those devil I mean televisions in your house, uh, maybe you've been turning the channels and you just, all of a sudden it's like somebody says, turn that thing off. And you do. There's sometimes you're listening to one of those uh, radio or television preachers. Uh, I've had many people over the years say, well, that preacher was saying something like this. It didn't sound quite right, but I don't know what was wrong with it. I say, here, let me tell you what was wrong with it. Give you a whole list. That's the Holy Spirit of God trying to guide you in the way and keep you out of trouble, amen? Trying to teach you how you ought to live. If you will be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will keep you out of a lot of trouble that you would otherwise get in. That's what it means, reprove of righteousness. Keep us in the right way of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. We, if there is anything that is needed today, it is someone to be honest, to stand up and look at things the right way. Uh, I've had many discussions. I don't have any one particular in my mind right now, but with people say, well, you know, before I got saved, I used to think this way. Now that I'm saved, boy, I don't know how in the world I used to think that way. You know, and you'll you'll find that, you know, you'll have quite a reversal in your mind and in your heart 
you'll have proper judgment and understanding of what is going on around you. I'll tell you, one of the easiest ways to know whether something is right or wrong, just see who's for it. See who's against it. If Hillary Clinton's against it, you know what? I can almost guarantee I'm for it. Uh, I, I don't have to usually even think twice. If she's for it, I'm against it. If she's against it, I'm for it. Because I know who she's serving and where her heart is headed and what she is doing, at least by her statements. And, and uh, if, if, if our other great senator from the state of New York, I mean, I don't even have to think once with him. Uh, that guy is a rascal. And you say, but he was right about the ports deal. No, he wasn't right about, he's not right about anything. He's not capable of being right about anything. And we don't have time to get into it, but uh, the, that porch deal, if you really want to study it, was nothing more than unions trying to run the ports. Because if we we're really that upset about foreign governments, why don't we get upset about the communist Chinese owning, not running, owning the port right next to our Pacific nuclear submarine base? You see, there's, there's just some wrong things out there. And old Chuck E. Cheese is not against the communist Chinese because that's what he is, is a communist. And uh, oh, I'll tell you, it just gets ridiculous, doesn't it? I'm sorry. Politics are over. Let's get back to the Bible. But you look around. If you have these people, remember the last Billy Graham crusade? Who sat in the platform with Billy Graham? Billy Graham had the audacity to say Bill Clinton would make as good an evangelist as he was. Now, let me tell you something. If you don't smell the rat in that statement, you need to get your nose fixed, amen? Billy Graham is no longer a friend of this book and hasn't been in years. He thought he was going to change the Protestant denominations and bring them back to God. What they've done is they've destroyed Billy Graham and taken him right in with them. That's why we don't cooperate with those people. Of judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged. The ability to tell the difference between right and wrong. We need that. Now look what it says here. Verse 13 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Now, well, let's finish the verse. It says, But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. Now, how is the Holy Spirit of God going to glorify Jesus Christ? Who is the what? Living Word. Amen. It's through the Word. The Holy Spirit is going to glorify Jesus because the only place you can go to find out anything about the Lord Jesus Christ is the words of this book called the Bible. 
I think it was in the 1850s or 60s, I forgot her name, but some nun was trying to find out more about Jesus' suffering on the cross than what the Bible says. And she went into a trance and had all these visions and dreams and wrote them down in a book. And that's what Mel Gibson based his movie, The Passion of the Christ, on, was the the visions of a demon-possessed nun. And people say, but but I want to know more about how Jesus suffered. Read the words. Don't don't watch some stupid movie. You say, but it's but it's not. It's about Jesus. No, it's not. It's about the it's about the visions of a demon possessed nun. Uh, there's very little about Jesus in the movie The Passion of the Christ. In fact, uh, I've never watched it, and I have no intention of watching it and, or uh, spending any time on it at all. Except I've read some reviews. The movie is really about Mary and how Jesus wouldn't have made it if his mother wasn't helping him. My God doesn't need his mama to help him out. In fact, my God doesn't have one. She was the tool that God used to bring him into this world. And she should be honored as a very special person. But we do not deify her. We do not give her any praise, worship, other than we would give any other human being. We do not elevate men because the Spirit teaches us through the Scriptures that the only one worthy of our praise is the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall glorify me. Now, you apply that verse to these guys that talk about the Spirit all the time. I remember meeting a guy one time. He said, he said, but you don't understand. He said, I can pray like very few people can pray. Now, what's the center of that statement? He is, not Jesus. He said, but let me give you an example. He said, one night I was driving home and, and the Spirit of God told me I needed to buy a bag of groceries. And so I went to the store and I bought... Uh, a bag of groceries, and I put it in the car, and the Holy Spirit said, turn right here, turn left here, pull up and knock on this door. And I went and knocked on that door and said, God told me to give you these groceries, and the person was very glad that God gave me these groceries. He said, oh, we needed groceries. We were praying for groceries. We're glad that God sent you. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Who got glorified in that story? The man praying and giving the groceries, didn't he? Oh, but God told him to do it. We can praise God for what he told the man. That man was the center of his own world and his own story. And he was very proud that God had used him in that way, and he was going around telling everybody and repeating everybody so that everybody would look at him and go, Ooh. I look at him and go, Whoa. Nuh-uh. Don't get wrapped up in yourself, in your premonition. You say, was that of the devil? Uh, I mean, they said they were praying for groceries. I don't know. If somebody showed up on your doorstep with a bag of groceries, would you say, get away from me? I never knew you. Leave me alone. Or would you say, thank you very much and smile real big and take the groceries and say, boy, I don't know who that crazy idiot on my doorstep was, but I'm glad he's gone now. And uh, 
you'd check everything in the grocery bag and make sure it wasn't out of date and and uh, <laughs> anything that was opened and you'd throw that all stuff away and you say you wouldn't really no I've I've actually had that happen and, and you have to go through and you have to check stuff because uh, I don't think God told them to bring you a bunch of out-of-date stuff, do you? It's kind of scary. If it's truly of the Spirit, it's going to glorify Jesus Christ. Not any human being, not any organization, not anybody else. Amen? Let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. All truth is found in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we could spend all night just here in this passage, but look at verse 9. It says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Now, could I just clear up something here? Um, there's all kinds of books out there written. Men, how to understand women. Women, how to understand men. This verse solves that problem. It says, how can a man... Understand the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. There's an application there, guys. Don't try to figure out ladies. All right? Ladies, don't try to figure out us guys. God made us different one from another for a purpose. He doesn't want you trying to figure people out. What he wants you to do is obey him and not worry about that. And if you're truly obeying God, let me tell you something, husbands, that you want to be a good husband, you get your life right with God and walk with God every day, and you will be the best possible husband God could have you to be. Ladies, you want to be the best wife you could be, you draw close to God and get your relationship right with God. Be obedient to the words of this book called the Bible. And let me tell you what can happen. Your husband's going to come home and he's going to say, I can't believe how lucky I am to have such a wonderful wife. And your answer will be, but I can't believe how lucky I am to have such a wonderful husband. And see, nobody gets the upper hand in the battle. There's no leverage going back and forth except to do nice things for each other. That's great stuff. So, that's free. Now, it says... Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but, with, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things that are of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, remember uh, John chapter 16, yet he himself is judged of no man, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have 
the mind of Christ. Now, what Paul's saying here is, if the Holy Spirit is living in you and controlling you, guess what? You can understand what Christ thinks about what is going on. And as we look here, they are revealed to us by the Spirit. How did Paul know what words to write down in the book of 1 Corinthians? Holy Spirit of God told him what to write down. Amen. How did Peter know what to write down? God told him what to write. How about Matthew, Luke, and all the rest of the authors of our Bible? God, through the Holy Spirit, told them what to write. And we want to, you want to know the things that are freely given to us of God? It's in the Scripture. But let me tell you something. You cannot understand the Scripture without the Spirit living in you. You can't understand the Scripture. Oh, yes, you can read the words and you can say, yeah, okay, I read those words. But faith is obedience to those words. It's believing them enough to live them. That only happens when the Spirit of God works in you. See, that's how the Spirit and the Scripture work together. They're not at enmity at one another unless it's a false spirit. That's why the Bible tells us we're to try the spirits. We use the Scripture to test the spirits. I was dealing with a fellow one time, and, and um, he said, I, I just don't know how to make this decision. He said, I pray and I pray and I pray, and I feel convinced that I'm supposed to do this certain thing. He said, then the next morning I wake up and I'm convinced that I shouldn't do this thing. And he said, and I'm listening and I'm trying to be led of the Spirit. And he said, I'm back and forth and forth and back and I don't know what to do. I said, it's real, it's real easy. I said, neither voice is from God. He said, wait, wait a minute. How can neither voice be from God? God doesn't argue with himself. And you'll never find the devil arguing with God either. But you'll find the devil arguing with the devil. And you'll find yourself arguing with yourself all the time. And if you don't think you argue with yourself, just pray that uh, God will make you a little sensitive to that and you'll find out you do a whole lot more of that than you think you do. Should I put on this dress or this dress? And you sit there and look, look, and look. What do you, you have a little argument with yourself over what clothes you should wear. I mean, we do it all the time. How many of you sat there, at the, uh, you walk past the, the little bagel shop and you sit there, can I go in there and get something or no? There's a little battle going on in there. I mean, we do it all the time. That's not of God. God is not going to tell you one thing one moment and something else the next. You get into this word, and that will straighten out the arguments. Amen? It says, we have the mind of Christ. You'll never see Christ sitting there going, uh, which way do I go? What do I do? He always knew. That same knowledge that Jesus had of what he is suppo was supposed to do is the knowledge He wants to give you and I to live each day. That comes from the Spirit, but the Spirit through the Word. They work together to give us the knowledge of God's will. 
Let's look at one more passage and we'll try to get through this tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 5 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now what Paul is doing here is he's presenting an uh, argument, a... a um, um, lesson actually on how the Old Testament works together with the New Testament. The Old Testament said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, railing for railing, cursing for cursing. The Old Testament has a place and he talks about it in verse 7, but if the ministration of death written engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Jesus illustrated this connection in the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus said, they said of old time, thou shalt not kill. What did Jesus say? He said, but I say unto you, whosoever hateth his brother has already committed murder in his heart. He said, they said of an old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, but I say unto you, whosoever look, look, looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. That is the relationship. You see, the spiritual is absolutely connected to the scriptural if it's real. That's why I, I love to teach out of the Old Testament tabernacle. Every picture that was lived by the high priest and by the people that officiated and offered their sacrifices is, is to help you and I understand our spiritual relationship between God. It does not take away the reality of what was done there. But it helps you and I understand that we are priests before God. Once a priest was consecrated, he did not take another bath until he was ready to be reconsecrated. Because there were so many priests that they would only serve for a period of time, especially from King David on. He would take a bath. He would put on the priestly robes. It would take seven days to fulfill his consecration. But he had to wash his feet and his hands at the brazen labor constantly. That is a picture. When we get saved, we're consecrated as a priest. But we must stop at the brazen laver, by the way, which was made from the looking glasses, the mirrors, James chapter 1, the mirror of the Word of God, amen. It says we're supposed to look into that mirror and we see the daily sin that we pick up in our service for Christ. We stop at the brazen laver and wash our hands and our feet 
then we can enter into the holy place and have fellowship with God. Spiritual. Connected directly to scriptural. The one, it says, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. There's a lot of Christians that like to Old Testamentize the New Testament. I know Testamentize is not a word. But it describes what goes on in the minds and hearts of people. They want to make their religion a little set of rules of do's and don'ts. I've read my Bible so many chapters. I've come to church so many services. I've done my duty for the Lord. Wrong. It is the spirit that giveth life. It is a wholehearted, complete sell out to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you ought to be able to hang plumbing pipes in the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? No matter what you do can be a spiritual endeavor for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we were hanging plumbing pipes this week. We got hot water in the bathrooms, if you haven't noticed yet. That was one of our small accomplishments this past week. And um, let's, let's look on here. And uh, because I want to get down here, finish this. Uh, let's look at verse 14. It says, But their minds were blinded, for unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away. And the reading of the Old Testament, which veil, is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Some of you read the Bible a lot before you got saved. But it didn't mean anything. It was just words on a page. It was because you were blind. The Holy Spirit gives you sight to see. Do any of you remember how tough it was trying to be good enough to earn your way to heaven? Look at verse 17. It says, now the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. There's no more struggle between trying to figure out what I want to do and what Jesus wants me to do. Because I surrendered to Jesus and now my desire is to serve him. Does that not mean that the old flesh won't rear up every once in a while and say, but, but you don't understand what you're missing out on. Hey, wait a minute. Shut up, flesh. Let's, let's serve the Spirit, amen? Because that's where the life is. That's where the liberty, the freedom, I have freedom from my sin to serve Jesus Christ. I might fall down, but I don't have to stay there anymore. I can get up through the Spirit of God and serve Jesus Christ, amen? Now, that last verse is where we want to finish tonight. It says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Where are you going to read about the glory of the Lord? New York Times? Uh, Washington Post? Rush Limbaugh? Nowhere. Except the words of this book called the Bible. You want to see the glory of the Lord? Read the words. Say, Pastor, you harp on the words, the words, the words, the words. Yes, I do. And I will always harp on the words, the words, the words. 
as long as life, if God gives me life and God gives me breath, it's the words. You go to the words, you're going to see the glory of God in the pages of this book. And guess what happens? It says, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As you open these pages and seek the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to look at that and it's going to change you and make you more like Jesus Christ. All the fairy tales with magic mirrors? Hey, let me tell you, man hasn't dreamed up a magic mirror anywhere close to what this one does. And guess what? Doesn't need, eh, there goes my notes. Uh, doesn't need an ounce of silver on the back of it. There's not one reflective part of this book, but I see myself very clearly in its pages. How about you? I see the glory of the Lord. And as I look at his glory, guess what? He changes me. That's how the Spirit and the Scripture work together. If you don't have both, you don't have what you need. It's real easy to lay aside the Scripture and go groping for the spiritual because we feel things and we think things and, and we feel like we're accomplishing something. You can get so wrapped up in the words that you make your, your experience just a dry, dull, uh, robotic, mechanical nothingness. That's not what this word talks about. See, you're not getting it done either way, my friend. But when you allow these words to speak unto you through the Holy Spirit of God, He changes things. And that's when life gets good. And all God's people said, guess what? We didn't even have to have a television set to get it done, did we? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to do your work in our hearts and lives. We ask you to protect us from false teachers. Lord, from preachers who would preach part of the truth and then add to it other things or leave out things. Lord, we pray that we would be submissive to your word, the scripture, and yet very sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that we would try the spirits, that they would glorify you and you alone. We pray that you would change us and Give us your glory that you may be glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we raise our heads, let's just keep our heads bowed a moment. If you need to come and pray, take just a moment tonight. The altar is open, and then we'll get into our prayer time. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. Um.